Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. Alongside Mac Banks, Keith Cook, I'm John Turner. Thanks so much for taking a part of your day to listen to us old guys talk about sports in the mill town of Fort Mill, South Carolina. And guys, another week, uh, another lot of big doings around the mill town. And uh, we'll start with those Catawba Ridge Copperheads. I'm starting to wonder if if we should send in the National Guard and have them split up Catawba Ridge, Uh, jokingly, of course. But nine and stinking O. However, However. it it wasn't all... Biscuits and gravy in the first half there, Mac. No, it wasn't wasn't easy. And I was a little surprised that um that they I guess I don't want to say struggled being the word, but that they didn't take off like they have against other teams. Granted, Indian lands a lot better than teams like Lancaster and stuff like that, but and they didn't turn the ball over. But I was thinking that yeah, that Indian land um wouldn't give them as tough of a fight as it looked like they did. So, but well, I'll say this: there was there was one stat that jumped off the page to me, and I, if I understand correctly, there were twenty penalties. Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, one thing that Catawba Ridge has struggled with as far as is penalties, and we know that if they do that this coming Friday, that that's going to be an issue. They're going to get both ra- boat raced. Yeah, it's going to be an issue. Um, I've talked with Coach Lindyke in the past about that, and he says it's something they need to clean up, and it's something they need to take care of. But if it's you know still happening, it's going to hurt them in the long run. So hopefully that's not an issue come this Friday against Northwestern. I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to put too much emphasis on this, but I still go back to what we talked about last week. And you know these are 15, 16, 17 year old young men, and were they not quite as laser focused because they do they were looking down the road at week ten instead of week nine? I was. It's Indian land. If we play our game, we should win, and that's true. Catawba Ridge and Coach Lindak talked about playing Catawba Ridge football, but part of playing Catawba Ridge football is not shooting yourself in the foot, and a lot of these penalties, that's exactly what they're doing. They're pre-snap. They're, they're illegal formations. They're they are jumping off. It, little things like that. Like you said, they'll get, that'll get them beat against Northwestern, but at the same time, I think you got to give Adam Hastings and his Warriors a lot of credit They've proven a lot of people wrong this year. That's a good football team over there in Lancaster County. That is not an easy team to beat, not an easy place to go to. No, I mean, it is a good football team. They started the season roughly 5-1. and one. They've been on a three-game losing streak, but look at the region they're in. Look who they're having to play. You know, teams like Northwestern, teams like South Point, Catawba Ridge. So, yeah, they're they're a pretty good team. It's just a matter of, you know – Again, going back to what Catawba Ridge is doing and what they need to do going forward is cut down on the penalties. And, you know, that's going to hurt them, whether it's against Northwestern or whether it's, you know, a team deep in the playoffs. If they're still making these type of penalties, you know, unsportsmanlike stuff, 15-yarders, that's, you know, good teams will take advantage of that and they'll bite them. They will. And if you look at Northwestern, if you look at the games that they've played, uh, unchar- uncharacteristically of a Trojans team, their defense, they're going to give up points. You feel like that favors Catawba Ridge. At the same time, 
Northwestern has a high-octane offense. Now, they've started slow. They started slow against South Point, but, again, the final score was 43-33. That's not a potent offense by the South Point Stallions. You're talking about a team that Lancaster held to 10. So, and I know you can't put a whole lot of emphasis on one game versus another versus another, but at the same time, you you got to feel good for Catawba Ridge's chances in the game, although I wonder – how much stock do you put in these two things? Number one, the game is at D3. The game is not in the pit. And number two, you've got a program that's been there and done that time and time again against the fourth-year program. But part of me is like, well, but the fourth-year program, they don't know what they don't know. True. Right? But I think one thing that is going to be key to the game for Catawba Ridge is they're used to scoring early. And in – you know, when they've had these blowout wins, they've scored early, they've scored often. You know, they've taken advantage of every single drive or every single turnover that's, you know, led for them, led to points. And I think there's probably not going to be a lot of turnovers in this game coming up against Northwestern. And I think that it's one of these things where they got to score early, they got to score often. They got to get a lead because playing from behind is going to be hard for them to catch up with a Northwestern team that seems like it can score at will because, you know, Hearing just you know how Paige Walford talked after their South Point game, he wasn't real happy with kind of how the offense did, the turnovers, things like that. So I'm sure he's going to try to work those kinks out before Friday. Well, and that was for the Rock Hill City Championship. So is Northwestern, are they going to be able to get back up after facing a South Point team in a really emotional game, turn around and do it again? Uh, we'll, time will tell, but um, I like CR's chances. I really do. Um, we go back to mid-August. I, I thought they would – people were just saying Northwestern, South Point, and then a bunch of other teams. And I've always felt like Catawba Ridge was in that top three discussion. I never felt like they were four, five, or six ever. Yeah, I thought they were definitely in the top three. I thought, you know, going into it, you know, it would be an interesting thing with, you know, them playing South Point and then them playing Northwestern. But, um, yeah, I mean, I knew that they could obviously were a playoff team going into the start of the season. You look at their schedule, and like everybody does, you go down, okay, that's a win. Okay, that's a win. Maybe that's a loss. That's a 50-50 game. You don't know. But so far, you know, they've been obviously clicking on all cylinders. So, we'll see how it goes come Friday. And speaking of clicking on all cylinders, Keith, your beloved Nation 4 Falcons, that uh, that high-octane Falcon offense that Nation 4 fans have gotten used to over the last several years, First under Coach Lindak and now under Coach Johnson, they seem to have uh, cranked that Mustang up and they uh, got some 93 octane in that offense now. Yes, they sure do. And uh, going back real quick about the Catawba Ridge game, I think it's kind of interesting how we were talking about how South Point Northwestern was for the Rock Hill City Championship. Catawba Ridge has already won the Fort Mill City Championship, so it's going to be basically Fort Mill against Rock Hill. And you know everybody in this town is rooting for the Copperheads to pull that one off. Daggum right. But what a difference two weeks makes after losing to Blythewood 40 to nothing and Clover 35 to 7. You figured that everybody outside of the Nation Ford family had given up on the Falcons and figured that, you know, this might be it. They might not make the playoffs. Unfortunately, when we saw the five team format coming out, that's going to help out. And by beating Spring Valley on Friday night, the Falcons punched their way into the state 5A playoffs. 
47 to 16, and they have a record of two and two in the region, three and six overall, and they clinched at least a playoff spot with more possible work to be done. As of now, with a victory over Spring Valley on their senior night, Nation Four holds a tiebreaker against the Vikings and Rock Hill. And if they can win at home on senior night this coming Friday against rival Fort Mill, the Falcons will find themselves in third place in the region, which could have been predicted, I guess, before the season. Yeah, I guess Blythewood and Spring Valley being the unknown, really, with them being newcomers to the region. Um, yeah, it was, was kind of hard to predict it. You know, I was kind of surprised at the, at the early start that Nation Ford got, but they've seemed to finally turn it around. And, you know, there's no time like the present. So going forward, you know, it looks like they're going to do some damage. Let's hope so. And I, I guess the, the, the demon, as it will, if you become that third seed, is you've got to go on a road on the road to the two seed of the the region two, which is either Dorman or uh, Spartanburg, and that can be brutal. Yeah, I think that's I think that's how it's going to play out. It's going to be interesting to find out how it plays out because I think I didn't see Gaffney beating Dorman, which happened this past week, but it did happen. So it'll be interesting to see how Spartanburg and Dorman turns out. Either way, if it ends up Nation Ford facing one of those two teams. That's going to be a tough road. You know, you got to go into Spartanburg County and and play at the Dorman University, where I like <laughs> to look at it because it is like a small college. Well, their stadium is bigger than Furman's, so I think yeah. that's, that's <laughs> right. you know, and that's no disrespect to Furman. That's just how stinking it's just big fact. The, yeah. the, the stadium is at Dorman, and the field is in – pristine condition i think you could either play a football game or you could do croquet you might even play around a golf on it it's a really nice feel but very nice what what i would love to be able to sit here and tell you that i'm surprised that nation ford is doing this on offense but i'm not i go back to august when i talked to coach allen and i looked at his team practice what surprised me is that it took this long because when you watch them practice and you see the dudes that they've got you know it's there it's just a matter of putting it together, finding that secret sauce, and getting the recipe right. And they seem to be peaking at the right time. Again, it's not the best team. It's the team that's playing the best. Well, I mean. And, and, and Nation Forward, it, it, uh, so so now you go into philosophy mode. Okay, they've won how many in a row over Fort Mill? Is it seven? Something like that, yeah. And, and now Michael Allen's team has now made the postseason, I think something, eight out of the last nine years or something, right. some long streak. So they're peaking at the right time. So you feel pretty good about Nation Ford beating Fort Mill and at the same time taking that momentum into the first round of the playoffs. And you know whoever that team is is going to look at the overall record and go, oh, they're not that good. Eh. Because <laughs> everybody's talking about the Nation Ford offense. Well, I want to throw some love at the Falcons defense because everybody's going, oh, they got beat by Blythewood 40 nothing. The Nation Ford Falcons defense is not as bad as people think statistically if you look at the numbers. They got put on a short field a lot. That's a lot to ask of a defense. I go back to the York game. They got put on the, on the field a long, long time, and it cost them that game against Short. What kind of a different world will we be talking about right now if that was a Falcons win versus a Falcons loss? Well, the team's more battle-tested now, and when you look at it, it took Carson Black a while to him and his receivers to get on the same page because he lost a lot of dogs last year. You know, people like Ty Keaton graduating – people like that there's no Keenan Bowman who we went to a lot you know so you know knowing this is your last year in high school and you kind of try to get everything together and put everybody on the same page early 
it doesn't doesn't always work out that way and now it seems like they're on the same page and but yeah you're right with the defense they're they've given a lot of people some trouble in recent weeks and uh it'll be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs especially that first round well and they also pointed out that the the, the milltown showdown it's in the nest that's sat nation forward and and so you have a fort mill team coming off another tough loss against the falcons team that's flying high no pun intended and and it's in in falcons territory you know that stadium is going to be rocking and jumping um and senior night on top of that so. and, and, and senior night so i'll tell you that i'll I put you blunt if i don't have an assignment friday i'm buying a ticket yeah oh, I'm, I'm i'm there um and and not not to pull for one team or the other but just to see the fireworks to see the the stands see the people because you know it's just going to be just one raucous environment it should be a good game for sure it should be um I think Fort Mill's doing a lot better than they have in in recent weeks, but they're not they're not quite there yet. You know, they're contending and keeping up with teams in the first half, which shows you that they've improved from the start of the season. So, you know, obviously Nation Ford's improved since the start of the season. It'll be a good environment for sure. And this past Friday night the 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 Yellow Jackets lost to let's let's not pull any punches, a really stinking good clover blue eagles football team very good and uh, a team that a lot of people including myself who got it wrong who said they would be the region champions but i go back and look on film i went back and looked at the blythewood game there's about five or six times hoover put the ball in Dion brown's frame and it just didn't come down when he comes down with two of those clover could be the region champion you just don't know but fort mill again another valiant effort fell behind 17 to nothing then jason moran took 199 yards to the house that cut it to 17-7. Jackets get a touchdown on a double pass. Dylan Schaefer hooked up with Landon Kurtz, who was able to tap dance the back of the end zone. They went for two and made it 23-15. It stayed that way. It wasn't like Fort Mill got to that level and then it kind of just faded off. Teams traded punts and Clover just too much good, too much time. And when you have a team that has that many Shrine Bowl players and their head coach is a Shrine Bowl coach. And they're pretty seasoned. It, 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 yeah. That, go back and look at who they played leading up to region play. Right. They yeah. took on the Dorman Cavaliers. They, they don't have any fear. They've been in tough ball games. And But I'll say this. just I know we're talking about Fort Mill recruit, but I'll say this about Clover. They better clean up the special teams. Fort Mill scoring that touchdown on the kickoff return – Coach Carol Hester told me that's the fourth time this year that the Clover Blue Eagles have given up a kickoff return for a touchdown. You don't see a team do it maybe once or twice a year. Four? Yeah, that that's, could bite them. That could bite them in the, in the long run. Yeah, but the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, yeah, 0-9. Uh, you could look back at the Lugolf-Elgin game. You could look back at the, at the Rock Hill game, and you just think what could have been the Spring Valley game was right there. But uh, the one thing about it, it was senior night. And it was the, the last go-around for 25 seniors, and some of those players were really good players. Um, so that, that, that's always a little bit heartbreaking. But one thing that, that I hope is uplifting is that it was pink out night, and they did have a ceremony for, some, uh, for warriors. Uh, there was a ceremony for those that, that unfortunately passed on. Uh, Miss Judy LaFoe, obviously, she started the pink out tradition at Fort Mill, so it's in her honor, and she was a great lady. Um, I know you knew her, Mac Keith. I don't right. know if you knew her or not, but she was just she, her heart of, of gold 
she gave everything back to this town. And so to see that and, and for that tradition to continue really just fills my heart big time. Yeah, it's a good tradition to have, and especially for October. I, you know, you, you wish more teams would kind of realize that and take take advantage of it and do something similar for their towns and their communities and their high school. But it's a really good tradition to have around here. It's really good to see them start it and keep it going. You know, I mean, things start and then kind of fade off, but to see it continue year after year, it's, it's a good thing. And if you break it down real quick, you go Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, Nation Ford Falcons. If you go position by position, guy by guy, you, you got to – I feel like you have to give a little bit of an advantage to the Falcons. If you look at how the two teams are playing, you got to feel like, well, the Falcons are firing on all cylinders. The defense has kind of solidified itself. And, and it's not that Fort Mill's getting blown out of these games. They really – they got blown out by Blythewood. Everybody has. Uh, who, everybody, who hasn't, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they held their own with Clover. They were right there with Rock Hill, right there with Spring Valley. So there's still – here's the thing about it is if Fort Mill were to, to find a way to upset Nation Ford, that would make their year. Uh, another way to put it, this is the Jackets Super Bowl. If, if, they could, if they could clip the wings of the Falcons, they could say, yeah, they went to the playoffs, but we beat them, right? That would be the, the, the line used. And – it's been a it's that series has been a streaky series. I think it was six in a row for the Jackets. Then they went back and forth a couple of years, and now the Falcons think seven in a row. So it, there's bragging rights on the line, but there's more than that on the line Friday. A lot of bad stuff can be cured by one victory. Uh, with the being winless up to this point, stinking it up for Nation Ford to put them in a tougher playoff position and break a seven-game losing streak to their rival. Yeah, and one thing, if you're Nation Ford, you don't want to – knowing you're going into playoffs, knowing you're in the playoffs, you don't want to lose that last game going into the playoffs, especially whether it's against your rivals or not, but even more so when it's against, you know, your rival. Kind of a bad precedent. It's right, a, it's a, right. It's a nasty taste you don't want. Right. You want to keep that momentum. And, and speaking of momentum, switching sports here, uh, volleyball, talk about momentum. The Nation Four Falcons, uh, the Lady Falcons flying high. Uh, they certainly carried a lot of momentum into the postseason last week. Well, one thing I thought was kind of funny was I was looking at the NAFO athletic calendar this morning, and it had the playoff game tomorrow against um, uh, Man, right? No, Woodmont. 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 I'm sorry, I'm thinking of tennis. But on, it has on the calendar Thursday round three playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was there's a no little... asterisk if necessary. That, right, that right. Is to just go ahead and put it. There. They are counting on it. So the the playoffs started for Nation Ford on Thursday at home against Spring Valley. It seems like we can't get rid of Spring Valley, but I guess we have now. Uh, came in unde- unbeaten in the past 16 matches. Easily the hottest team in the state of South Carolina. They didn't disappoint in the first round, sweeping the Vikings three sets to none. Won 25-10, 25-12, 25-9. Kennedy Martin with 15 kills as usual, which actually is a lower number than she's had lately. And Cecilia Fember with 20 assists to lead the team. And as we mentioned, they take on Woodmont at home tomorrow night at 6, looking to advance to the upper state semifinals, which is, in effect, the state quarterfinals. In, in essence. But I don't right. – uh, part of me wonders if, based off those scores, that Coach Brown maybe with his rotation rested a couple of his of his stars, so to speak, and – and there's nothing wrong with doing that. All six teams from Region 3-5A 
made the postseason because of the fifth team and then the at-large. That was the good news. The bad news is half of them got sent packing in the first round. So, But, Nation Ford, you're right. It, it's There's really only one team, maybe two, that's standing in their way from, from having a trophy back at, at the nest. They're really good. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, they gotta they got to play Woodmont in the second round. Odds are they're shaping up for them to um, play Dorman in the third round, which would be a road game. I mean, Dorman, based on how the brackets are shaped out, Dorman's a one seed. Obviously, Nation Ford's a one seed, so they would probably go to Dorman. That's and, crap. And then, depending on, again, how the brackets are, you know, predetermined, they'd probably either go to River Bluff or Malden, who's most likely going to meet in the third round nah, as well. they should be coming to – they should be coming to NAPO. Well, it's, I mean, that's you know how these things are predetermined. So, but anyway, in talking with Kennedy Martin earlier this week, they had said something. She had said something that they're still tinkering with their lineup, and that they've got several different lineups that they can interchange depending on. You know, it's it's kind of like baseball. You know, depending on the rotation, depending on who's batting where. Mm-hmm. You know, they pull a, pull a player in, pull a player out. It's just it's interesting to be this far into the season. And they're still they're still fine tuning. They're still tweaking. They're, they're tinkering with their lineup, and they lost all the three sets in region play. Well, and that well, that's got to be rough. You've got to be pretty deep if you're able to tinker with your lineup this late in the season. You're still blowing people out, right? Well, yeah. what that tells me then, like like you're saying, Mac, is that the way they play against, say, a Dorman is going to be different than the way they play against a Malden because of the strength or weaknesses of the of the opponent. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to be interesting going forward because obviously. Dorman's a powerhouse when it comes to volleyball. River Bluff is starting to be a powerhouse. It's one of those new kids on the block. They're not as established when it comes to volleyball as, as a Dorman, as a nation forward. So um, it'll be interesting. Absolutely. And we actually talked to nation forward star Kennedy Martin. Mac was able to catch up with her uh, earlier last week. Here's what that sounded like. What kind of got you into it? So I started playing volleyball third grade. Um, I just did summer camps at the local club, CJV. Um, my mom signed me up for them. But yeah, that was how I started. And then my first club team I played on in fifth grade with Sport Mill Volleyball Club. So what do you, what do you like about it? A volleyball? I like that we're able to stay on our side of the net with our team. And I feel like... It's a very mentality-driven sport, and I like being able to control my side of things. So, obviously, how tall are you now? I'm 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. So, obviously, when you started, you weren't that tall, but when did you realize that, you know, you kind of had a knack for it, and, and the taller you were getting, you know, obviously, that played into you yeah. playing and, and getting better and things of that sort? So, I've always been taller than people my age so I've always known I was going to be taller than people my age I would say um but once I started hitting like above six foot um it was really between basketball and volleyball and I kind of had to make that decision in seventh grade because they were overlapping a lot and my dad was coaching me in basketball and I honestly just didn't really like it um it just it just wasn't me and I just loved being on the court in volleyball and I felt like I was progress or like progressively getting better. I felt like my potential was really high in that. So are you eighteen or seventeen now? I'm seventeen. Seventeen now. So obviously a senior, 
Where are you heading off to? I'm going to be attending the University of Florida um, for volleyball, and I'll be there in January. So you're graduating early. I'm graduating early, yeah. Um, so why Florida? Because, I mean, with your numbers as far as on the court and everything, I'm sure academically they're great as well. Your numbers on the court, your height, why Florida? You could have probably had your choice of any place in, in, in the country, really. But obviously, mm-hmm. I know Florida is a big volleyball school. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what was your reason behind that? Um, so I took four official visits, and Florida was my last one. I had five scheduled, but Florida was my fourth one, and I just committed after I went on that visit. And basically, they had been watching me for a really long time, so I knew they had believed in me because they were still interested in me. Um, I knew that they saw my potential and that uh, they would really put their best effort into making me the best player I can be. Um, And when I stepped on campus um, on my visit, I just really fell in love with the school and the girls. That was a really big part of my decision, were the teammate or like the girls on the team. Um, they were just so welcoming. And I, it wasn't as, it was almost as if I was already like a teammate. That's how they were treating me. Mm-hmm. Rather than a recruit they were trying to um, convince to come to their school. Um, I just already felt like a family. So they didn't take, it didn't take a lot for them to convince you? Um, it definitely did. Um, because I was I was choosing between Ohio State and Florida, and that was a really tough decision. Um, because I also loved Ohio State, but I think I like the school more. I think I like both teams, um, but I like the school more for Florida. So and I just you... felt it felt easier to commit there than I feel like I would have still there still would have been a lot of uncertainty if I would have committed to Ohio State. So besides Ohio State and Florida, where else were you looking? Where were your other official visits at? So I officially visited Northwestern, uh, University of Southern California, USC, and um, I was planning on visiting Penn State, um, and then I, uh, and I also visited Ohio State, Florida. Okay. But I canceled my Penn State visit and committed to Florida. So those are obviously all big volleyball schools: Penn mm-hmm. State, Ohio State, and then West Coast, USC. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but Florida was just. It just kind of, everything about it is kind of what there is grabbed not, your attention? Yeah, there is just not a single reason why I shouldn't. Like, everything, even, like, till this day, like, I committed last year in September, I believe. Like, I'm still, like, falling more and more in love with the school um, and the girls and the coaches. And I just have so much, I hold so much excitement for it. Now, you guys are obviously doing well. You're, you know, entering the playoffs. You know, do you feel like that there – you guys have that run left in you that, you know, you you can be like these other state championship teams that are come from, you know, the volleyball program here? Mm-hmm. How do you feel entering the playoffs? Um, I feel really good. I really don't even think we've reached our peak yet as a team because we're still trying new things, new lineups, and I feel like – each time we like try a different lineup, we find something else that we like, and that really helps our strategy as a team. So you feel like with these extra lineups you have and with these extra, I guess, different ways of different people in different lineups in different spots, that gives you an advantage over 
say a river bluff or a dormant or, or a wando that you may end up seeing down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have a lot of different lineups set for how other teams play offense. Um, so, yeah. So, as far as, you know, winning that state title, how much would it mean for you to go out on one of those teams that, you know, people like Sophie Fisher's done it and everything in the past. How would it feel for you to kind of go out that way? I mean, it would mean the world because I won it my freshman year, but obviously Sophie was a big leader on that team, and I would just really like to be in her place almost this time. Um, I don't really remember much from freshman year. I feel like I was really just following her lead most of the time, so it would be cool to be on the opposite side of that. So you feel like you've kind of turned in and developed into that leader that she was then and that you are now? I would like to think I would. I hope so. Mm-hmm. As it, as you feel like a lot of the girls look to you as far as being a senior and, you know, being in the spot where, you know, you've obviously, your game has taken off over the years and, and you've mm-hmm. kind of developed into that leader role. Do you feel like the girls look at you as that? I hope they do. Um, I try my best to be a leader at all times on the court and off the court. Um, so, yeah, I guess I don't really know what they think, but I would hope that that's what they think. Okay. All right. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Wow. The only thing I can say, what an impressive young lady she is. That's for sure. Yeah. She's a very, just talking with her, you can tell she's a very intelligent lady. Um, she's going to do some impressive things at the next level, you know, going to Florida. And, uh, you know, I know obviously they want to finish strong with nation four and everything, but, uh, She's she's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And just all the best of luck to her, uh, um, not only as a volleyball player, but as a, a young lady. She's going to do great things uh, once she's done on the volleyball floor for sure. You, like you said, Mac, you can just tell that uh, from the way she carries herself. Uh, even when she's playing the game and you look at how she is around her teammates. And, um, you, again, you, you just don't – those kind of players just don't grow on trees. That that's a special, special kind. Yeah, she's she's been a special. You could tell even as a freshman, she was going to be a special player, and she's just as she's matured and gotten older, and her game has you know matured and gotten better. Um, she's remained humble. She's remained you know very steadfast and committed to playing volleyball, and it's it's going to pay dividends for her down the road. Well, and she also uh, has modeled herself after the leadership that she had when she came in as a freshman, and she's projected that onto this to the younger players of NAFO, which they are looking up to her, and she's just been a tremendous example for everybody over there. And Ohio State is losing out on a great volleyball player, but that's Florida's gain. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, you it, it, you got to go where the getting's good. I mean, that's the world – we live in. I think mom and dad are, are wink, wink, nod, nod. I think they're okay. With <laughs> I think they oh, are yeah. too. <laughs> um, speaking of the Catawba Ridge Copperheads and the old uh, net and tape and ball, uh, Coach Lisi's group this week, huh? Yeah, they are. They are actually. You know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. No, today's Monday. We're today's recording Monday. this on a Monday. Don't project like um, that. And they will be taking on South Aiken, uh, and you know. Based on the projections and, and seeding and everything, they should they should win. Now, South Aiken should give them a battle. I'm not saying it's 100% in the bag, but, um, you know, Catawba Ridge had a bye first-round volleyball, and now they're going to be facing South Aiken. 
which could set up a, uh, a match against Eastside or Greenville in the third round. Again, Eastside or Greenville would have to come here because CR is a higher seed. And uh, looking at the top of the upper state bracket, there's Pickens. And Pickens is doing what Pickens does. And and if if Catawba Ridge can get to the upper state finals this time, they would have to go to Pickens. So uh, Pickens being a one seed, the uh, Copperheads being a two seed, you know, Pickens has pretty much home court advantage through the playoffs. I hope the Copperheads go there and light them up. Yeah, I saw what you did there. Yeah, it took a while. All the best to Coach Alicia Lisi's group, though. It's a really good volleyball team, well-rounded. They've got a lot of great um, great players. I think they will. I think that's going to be the matchup. I think it's going to be Pickens and CR. And, uh, hey, let's get it on. Let's see who can win, right? Yeah, they they faced each other last year in the Upper State Championship. Pickens had to come here, and, and Pickens is tough. I mean, they they – do volleyball down there and they do it well and so it'll be a, a good rematch to see them you know go head to head again and all the best to, to coach Lisi and her group for sure uh one season did come to an end last week that was the fort mill yellow jacket volleyball season uh jackets had to go on the road at burns that's because the jackets finished in third place in region three five a they actually finished in a tie with rock hill and the head-to-head was one apiece, but the second tiebreaker was sets one. Fort Mill beat the Bearcats 3-0, and the Bearcats beat the Jackets at Fort Mill 3-2. Because of that, Fort Mill got the three, Rock Hill got the four. Uh, Rock Hill was defeated. Spring Valley was defeated. Blythewood was defeated. Fort Mill was defeated. So there were only two teams left from Region 3-5A, and Fort Mill had to go to James F. Burns. But it wasn't just a cakewalk. Uh, you got to give Coach McCrory's team a lot of credit. They lost the first game. It was a game that they led early on and led for a while. They lost it 25-23. They battled back in game two and beat the Rebels 25-23. And then in the third game, about midway through the third game, it was just too much Rebels. They cleaned a lot of stuff up. Fort Mill had some mistakes. And we all know what can happen when, when a volleyball team gets on one of these just runs. They're, they're like a – they're like a big locomotive just running downhill, and that, and that's what happened. And Fort Mill continued to grind and fight, but um, a lot to be proud of in that Fort Mill program. you got to think about it from this standpoint. That's the third head coach in three years. So she's steadied the ship. She took over a program that needed some stability, and, and she did that. And you could tell that they really loved playing for her. They loved playing for each other. But it's always heartbreaking when you see the tears of those young ladies uh, especially those five seniors when it's all said and done. It's, I'll never – I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Yeah, I mean, it's always a heartbreaking moment when a when a team, no matter what sport, you know, their season ends due to a loss and things like that. Um, you feel bad for the seniors especially because a lot of times that's it for them as far as, you know, competitive in whatever it is, sports, volleyball, whatever. Um, you hate to see that in any any capacity. And there are some young stars – on that team they'll be back the yellow jackets will be back next year uh they will be losing gracie johnson grace dewey uh brenna stacklehouse lock mcneely uh, ella martinez so there are some good players uh, but there's a lot of good young players as well and that's where coach mccrory bringing along those sophomores and a, and a freshman is going to pay dividends in 2023 so um switching sports here let's switch over to tennis 
real quick. Uh, kind of a mixed bag for the Milltown this past week. Yeah, Catawba Ridge, um, they won in their first round matchup against Eastside. So now they are taking on, just like the volleyball team, they're taking on South Aiken. That happens on uh, Tuesday, the 25th. And that should be a pretty good matchup. South Aiken's a four seed. Catawba Ridge is a five seed. So that's one of those matchups where it's it's going to be a long one, you know, flip a coin because you really can't tell. And, you know, obviously South Aiken being from a lower state aspect, you don't get to see them. You don't hear about them as much. But, you know, Catawba Ridge, they've done well. Um, two years ago they were pretty much bounced out of the playoffs by east side. So having them win last week was kind of some sweet revenge for them. But uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a good take to see how well they perform against South Aiken. And then uh, the Milltown teams in the 5A. Uh, last week was the 5A Upper State uh, Championship, I do believe. In regards to golf, well, yes. And there were uh, there's two uh, individuals that are going to be playing in the 5A state title Um tournament state title rounds um Kenzie Finn from Fort Mill and then Vivian Harris from Nation Forward will be playing in the 5A the 4A tournament uh got kicked off today and Catawba Ridge is in fifth right now Pickens is in first and of course when you try to pull it up you know technology doesn't work it's never works when never works and then you just get to Spinning ring. Didn't of you death. say Pickens had like some ridiculous like twenty stroke lead? Pickens had a, had a had a pretty big lead, um, and then you know it's followed by Pickens shot at three thirty one first round of the four A state championship, followed by May River who's ten strokes behind at three forty one, and it's being hosted by May River on their home course. So it's it's a pretty far travel um, for Catawba Ridge. Third, AC Floral with 351. Fourth, Hilton Head with 357. And then Catawba Ridge is fifth. So don't have their scores exactly yet. Hope to get them later today. But um, let the fine folks know where May River is. May River is in, uh, you go south and then take a left and then you're not even close. It's in the middle, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's down, the tournament's being played. Um, it's, it's called the golf course at Hilton Head Lakes, which makes it sound like it's closer to Hilton Head, but it's actually in Hardyville. Hardyville. Yeah. Which is the last town in South Carolina before, before you, you cross Georgia. the Georgia line. It's like Fort Mill is to Charlotte, Charlotte yes. in right. North Carolina. Yes. So, yes. Although I would like to take pride in the fact that I think Fort Mill is a, more of a destination place than Hardyville. Considerably. Or, uh, one would yeah. hope. Yeah, <laughs> Hardyville, Hardyville is, it's, it's a haul to get down there, so – it would be nice if it was more centralized, the tournament being like in Columbia or somewhere. That and makes I, too much sense. But, you know, they, they, they pick these things out, you know, a couple years in advance. And, and obviously the coastal area, the coastal region, you know, Charleston, that area, you know, Hilton Head, the actual Hilton Head, Myrtle Beach, you know, they're more of a destination. Not saying that, you know, Hardyville is a destination, but – it's there, so it's you know. But there are some really great, some golf, great courses golf courses in the right. Columbia area as well. Yeah, in the Art of Fairness, there really are. Yeah, and even you know, it'd be nice even if if they held something in a more of an upper state area. You know, like you know, the five A tournaments is more you know upper state area, and obviously where 
you know, kind of biased because our <laughs> we're well, but, but even 17 you, minutes from Charlotte. So. But even if you held it in a place like Greenville, South Carolina, where Thornblade is. Right. I mean, there, there's been a PGA major tournament played at Thornblade. All right. You, you can't tell me that these golf courses, there's not enough golf courses in the upstate of South Carolina to play a 5 eight. Sure there is. Right. And the thing is, you know, some, it's not as much, you know, where it's located. Some of these golf courses, they just don't want to open it up for the day for, you know, 16 you know, teams, whether it be boys or girls golf, they don't want to open it up to have these because they feel like they're losing revenue. And that's the thing. You know, if, if you got people coming out there playing every day, you know, you got your rat pack, your normal people that's coming out there playing every day and they're paying their cart fees and their dues and things like that. They they feel like, well, if we open it up for two days and, and, and kind of shut it down and just have these kids come out and play, we're losing money. So, in all fairness, the high school league's got to got to find a place that's gonna let them do that. You know, I think it'd be more of a kind of a marketing genius thing, saying home of the South Carolina Five A State Championship, and then more people. Well, I guess that would be better on a public course than it would be a, a private country club, though. Right, and maybe, and maybe the league's trying to get something for nothing. You never really know what the economics are. You're not really you don't know what's behind the curtain. Right, we're really guessing. We were so. Um, but, you know, best of luck. Yeah. Best of luck moving forward for sure. So, um, I think that covers pretty much covers it. the uh, sport with the cricket One stick. last thing. Um, uh, going back to tennis, the Falcons will host Jail Man on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, at 5 o'clock. They did beat Hillcrest on Thursday 4-2. to two, And so, Falcons moving right along in both tennis and volleyball this week. Yeah, and I, I expect the Nation 4 tennis team to – to continue on and, and press on. And really, if if they defeated Hillcrest, that tells me coming into this week, it's getting down to the to the skinny. Uh, you, by the end of this week, we should know where the red and black stands at with the fuzzy little ball. Yeah, and just looking at the bracket, if they were to beat Jail Man and get past them, they should have a home match in the third round, and then they should have, if they were make it to the upper state, Based on the bracket, they should have a home match for the upper state, which would be cool. I mean, to have a home field, home court advantage throughout the whole playoffs, it it it, it behooves you to get that if you can. Yeah, make that opponent walk down what's what we affectionately call the green mile. Make them walk down there and, and face the gauntlet that is the Nation 4 fans. And I mean that as a compliment. Or walk way, that hill off A. Joe Jones. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't care if you're playing underwater basket weaving. The Nation Ford Falcons in NAFO, that is a tough place to go and get a victory. Oh, yeah, it's not easy no matter what sport you're playing. Football, you know, basketball, baseball, um, you know, tennis. So it's it's interesting to see what they can do and how they can do going forward. And it never hurts Coach Johnson to have have a few more pennies in the old uh, coffers as well. Nothing nothing terrible about that. <laughs> Show me the money. And, so, a, and a quick update regarding, we were just talking about Catawba Ridge yep, Golf. I yep, just yep. got a text from head coach uh, Chris Powers, and he was kind of standing far away, but uh, scores for um, Catawba Ridge as a team, it looks like 364. So, yeah, a tough round. Um, they're leading golfers. Catherine Mann, Eileen Zelo, in the uh, mid-80s, which is normally, you know, not not their best scores, but um, it seems like a tough round for them moving forward. So, 
Yeah, they can they can turn it around. Uh, you know, they've had a great season, and you know they got one more round, and we'll see how it turns out. But it looks like, you know, May River is pretty much, you know, running away with it. So we'll see how it all pans out. So boys, this next week got some more uh, things to talk about. That's for sure. We got the Milltown Showdown, like we talked about at CR against Northwestern. We have that to talk about. I'm sure we're going to have Nation 4 Volleyball and Tennis to talk about, and, and we'll probably put a nice little bow on golf as well. You guys got anything else before we uh, call it a day? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate you taking a part of your day to listen to the Mouthy Milltowners. Again, if anybody has any suggestions or comments, any kind of feedback, we would greatly appreciate it. You can reach out to any of the three of us on social media. Our numbers are out there for the whole world to see. Uh, well, Keith might be in Facebook jail again. We're not sure, but hopefully he'll be out of jail temporarily long enough to receive a direct message. I've been cleared for two months so far, so we're hoping to keep that going. Two months. He, he's Let's keep it between the navigational beings. So on behalf of Matt Banks, Keith Cook, I'm John Turner. We'll see you crazy kids next week for another edition of Mouthy Milltowners.